1: Hello and welcome to Series 3, Episode 25 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast as we revel in a proper Manchester United comeback. Two goals down away at Crystal Palace to the United slicing it home fantastically for a last-minute 3-2 victory. It was painful at times in the first half and we'll talk why that shocking 45 minutes or so happened, but also praise certain individuals for their role in the comeback and criticise others for their recent form. As always, we have our extensive youth roundup, and when we preview Saturday's second-place clash with Liverpool. Jack... I imagine if you could bottle that feeling of a of a last minute winner having been 2-0 down it's just just magical that. Uh,
0: absolutely mate it's one of the best feelings you could ever have really watching a football team I, my, I mean my reaction when Matic scored was just I just went mental Pete I was, I was just I was watching it in like a um like a study space at uni as well and everyone around me was just one, looking at me like what the hell is this guy doing <laughs> but yeah it just went mental when it went in it's such a good feeling uh, especially knowing how badly we played in the first half and then See the difference in the second half, the way we fought back was brilliant. Um, and I, ju- I, I, t- I tweeted about this yesterday when he scored, but when Matic picked up the ball, I was like, do not shoot, do not shoot, do not shoot. I think everyone <laughs> did that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and when, it, when I saw it going into the net, I was like, oh my God. Uh, br- yeah, brilliant comeback, brilliant goal to end it. And, uh, I think, you know, it's not often you would probably consider a game away at Crystal Palace to be one of the most important of the season, but I think that could turn out to be a really, really important win for us.
1: It was one of those irresistible goals. Like, you just, there's no way, like, wherever you were in the world, there's no way you were not jumping up and just going nuts at that. <laughs> it was so perfect. Um, a proper, I mean, the cliche would be a proper Fergie style comeback. I love, i tell you what I loved most was Marcus Rashford's tweet today or last night that said, I've never been involved in a comeback like that before. I used to watch them on TV. It just summed yeah. up, it summed up so perfectly. And that's why we love, love having an the academy. But, and there was another good tweet actually from, um, from United fan in the away end Max Eggleton who said I've just celebrated a Manchester United last minute winner away from home by grabbing Jesse Lingard's face and both screaming at each other my life has peaked Good night, everyone <laughs> <laughs> that is that is why I mean we say every time it happens but nothing beats it um, and actually because a lot of football this season under, Uni- under Mourinho at United has been good and enjoyable some of it has been rubbish but it's not it's not been a rubbish season to be a United fan and neither was last season because winning two trophies but we haven't had a moment like that for a long time and it reminds I, I I remember walk, I walked down the stairs after watching probably an hour after the game just laughing to myself and I was just like this it's just a, a very nice reminder of just why like I love football so much it was so brilliant and as you say huge performance away yeah. from home two goals down midway through the second half um, pressure on after Liverpool going ahead in the table and we're preparing to face them on, on Saturday and two consecutive away defeats prior to, to Monday night's game. So a, a massive game and a massive result, it turns out.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to end up being a, a huge result for us going forward. Not just because, you know, we get the three points go back ahead of Liverpool, but it keeps the train rolling, you know, coming off the back of a good win against Chelsea, which I think psychologically was a big deal for us to get one over the, one of the top six and cut, to come from behind to do it, uh, especially going into the Liverpool game this weekend. I think it's, it's a huge win for us. It just keeps the momentum up. And now the players obviously should be in a in a good mood heading into the game. Uh, yeah, I think it's you know it can be overplayed. I think how much a previous game can affect a team going into the next the next one. But I do think this will be a big psychological deal for the players going into the Liverpool game. It's not good to go back in, to go into a game off the back of a disappointing defeat like Palace, especially when you played so badly as we did in the first half. So big big win I think in the end. Um, but yeah, it was just great to see all the celebrations at the end. The last time. I mean, the last time we came down, came from 2-0 down to win a game was Hull, uh, away in, was it 2014, 2015? Oh, was it? Um, <laughs> when James Chester scored an own goal and even, even then it was, I mean, A, it, it was a lot earlier in the season, so it, it didn't have the same sort of importance as this, as this game. It was sort of an, wasn't a nothing win obviously whenever you come down from 2-0 it's a it's a good win but didn't have the same importance that this one did and i think it came in a season where you know we definitely won at the level we are we're at now not to say that we're brilliant now but we're definitely moving in the right direction at the moment and this this i think sort of made people think a little bit more about the, where how we might be um, comparing to Ferguson's old teams As chris smalling said uh, today in, in an interview that it it felt like a Fergie year again that win yesterday that the, the the fact that as soon as that first goal went in, he said the entire team kind of knew that it was. It, you know, we we definitely had a good chance to come back, and although we had a, a lot of late goals under Van Harwen and, and we've had our fair share under Mourinho, a lot of them seem to be salvaging a draw from terrible terrible performances. Whereas this one, like I remember, um, I the one that I remember really clearly was Blind scoring a brilliant like ninety odd minute goal against West Brom a couple of years ago. But I think that was to get a two all draw out of the game in the end.
1: Both him him and Fellaini scored their first goals for United. In that yeah. Game.
0: Yeah, um, so I, uh, that's the one that I remember. But there's been a lot. There's been a lot like that where it's just kind of salvaging a point rather than actually getting us a win. So I think this was a a huge win, huge boost for the club now going into what is a huge, huge game on Saturday.
1: Yeah, um, there's a few people to praise. There are others <laughs> others who could do with the opposite. But um, start with Jose Mourinho. I mean, the the caveat to what I'm about to say is we were rubbish for at least an hour and. Yeah. That is from the start of the game. There were certain elements of his selection that were wrong. Um, there was certainly the, the tactics at the start of the game were wrong. It's been. I'm struggling to remember a recent away game against small opposition where Mourinho's United have have looked to properly take control and earn a lead early on. And it happened. It happened. It kind of happened at the start of the season. I remember. I think Swansea. They were, when we were winning those four nils, it was kind of the confidence is there. We're going for it all the time, and weak opposition. But we're effectively waiting for the opposition to score or the opposition to do something to get us, get ourselves going. Happens all the time. But saying that, two Premier League comebacks in a row, two comebacks are at least partly down to Jose Mourinho's substitutions. Um, Juan Mata and Marcus Rashford had a huge impact on the game. Mata particularly and, and has often been keyed comebacks. I think he scored two against, um, Leicester, which ended up being 2-2, yeah. but we were 1-0 down at one point and Mata scored twice.
0: Yeah, it's, I think you, you have to, you have to criticize Mourinho for what was a horrific first half, and the tactics that we set up with were all wrong. And like you said, we—I can't remember the last time we went to an—we went to an away game against what, like against the smaller teams in the Premier League, and we actually dominated the game. E- even when we've played well and got good results against smaller teams away from home this season, it hasn't been us dominating the game. It's been us being clinical and taking our chances. Really, even even going back to that Swansea game at the start of the season, we were one nil up for. 70-odd minutes or, or was a bit less than that. I think we'd scored near half-time. But we were only 1-0 up for most of the game and Swansea looked kind of dangerous and we scored three goals in the last 10 minutes. It, there haven't been any real performances I can remember where we've really taken the game over and completely dominated from start to finish away from home. And that needs to change because it's a worry that, that we keep getting put put into the same positions away from home. Um, but like you said, credit to Mourinho, 100% for some brilliant substitutions and for really turning the game on its head the i mean i for me a big thing was Mourinho making the first change at half time having watched uh the chelsea city game on uh, on sunday and seeing conte not change anything for 75 minutes almost um when there were clear things that chelsea needed to do to get back into that game the contrast was huge with Mourinho. i understandably it's you know it's a different game the context were very different but with Mourinho just having the courage to to throw on rashford at half time Put out McTominay. I think it ended, it ended up working out really, really well. The Lingard and Matter substitutions uh, worked out really well. Sorry, not the Lingard and Matter The Shaw and Matter substitutions ended up working out well as well With and shifting Lingard to right back. Just great management in, in the game. Obviously, um, the, the things that came before the game and the way we set up initially were still very, very poor and it's still something we need to figure out. He still hasn't figured out where Sanchez is best in our team, um, who quite frankly has been awful so far in a Man United shirt, you know, I think we can't get past that.
1: Let's move on to Sanchez because if you're looking at who, who was at fault for the rubbish hour or so, um, obviously blame some of the defence, but Alexis and, and Paul Pogba, the two stars of this Man United team, have both been poor for three or four games. Pogba put in a, a good performance against Chelsea. And at the time was saying he impressed and he definitely did. It wasn't it wasn't anything spectacular, but it was what you want from Paul Pogba. But if he thinks that's all that is needed to prove himself to Mourinho and to fans and pundits, then he's wrong because that one game doesn't account for or sort of improve his status after a number of poor games and yet another one here.
0: Yeah, it's been a, a very poor run of form from Pogba, honestly. And, you know, I think a lot of our fans don't like to criticise him too much because of how much flack he gets from fans of other teams. And, and he he is our, our best outfield player, 100%. But he has been poor for the last few weeks, month or so. Sanchez has been, frankly, he's been awful since he's come to United. I don't think he's had a single good game. Um, his first game against Yeovil was arguably his best one. Even then, he didn't play very well. He's just, he seems to be trying to, too hard. He loses. He's been losing the ball far too often. And it, I, he seems. To, it, it looks like the way he wants to play. It seems like he needs to be playing further forward. Like Gary Neville was talking about this a little bit on uh, Monday Night Football after the game. It looks like he needs to play a little bit further forward because he's trying to play all these intricate, intricate link-up plays. That he, but he's doing it in the centre circle or just past the centre circle, which is not going to work. But the problem with that is, where do you then play him? Because if you play him on the left in the system we currently play, our wingers don't aren't playing further forward enough. And you can't really play him up front without dropping Lukaku, who's in probably is the best form he's been in all season at United, uh, playing really well at the moment. So the problem then is where do you play him? And he moved behind, sort of behind the striker um, for parts of the game and it still didn't look too great because he, he was just still trying too hard, trying to do too many difficult things when the simple pass was on so many times. Um, and, and one of the only times really we got that sort of intricate link-up play around the box was the, the move that led to Lukaku's goal um obviously Alexis almost was the one who who uh finished that off but that was probably our best move of the game and was one of the only times where Alexis picked up the ball nearer to the um nearer to the box and started playing that kind of link up play in the right sort of areas so it's a real dilemma at the moment I think because for me if we if we're going to make the team play to Sanchez's strengths we we have to make other people worse by doing that and it's the question of whether doing making the team work for Sanchez is worth it being to the detriment of some of the other players around him.
1: Yeah. I, I, the, the worrying thing is that Pogba was in his uh, supposed best position and Alexis was in his supposed best position yesterday. And yet neither of them performed against uh, a poor team. And not only didn't perform against a poor team, when everyone else stepped up their games, you didn't really see the same thing from them. The, the, yeah. the one thing, even, even when Sanchez is playing badly, the one thing you do get in, get from him is the... The passes that go just straight through a team. And I think I probably saw three or four of them last night come off successfully. And probably fifteen didn't. <laughs> he he lost he lost possession nineteen times in the first half. I'm sure you heard that on commentary or or on Twitter. But he does he does do that. And I don't think anyone else in our side does that. So even when Sanchez is playing badly, he's adding something. And the same could be said for Pogba, even when he's playing poorly, there there's just occasional moments of of just breathtaking skill and, and contribution to the team but he currently he's been a liability defensively I, I don't think either of them are working hard enough which is strange because when the rest of his teammates weren't working hard enough Alexis looked good because he was A. putting in more effort than, than them in the first half I think for a lot of the time and B. was encouraging them forward encouraging them to, to do more but then when everyone else well, I, th- up, I think
0: one of the things with Alexis has always been that he works hard when he loses the ball but he doesn't seem to work particularly hard when it's the team losing the ball or someone else. It's like he's all about making up for his own errors but doesn't really contribute too much when it's someone else who's been losing the ball and, and then he doesn't really help out defensively too much. It looks great because when he loses the ball and the focus is on him, he chases, he'll chases, he chase back 50 yards to try and win it back. But when it comes to defending as a team when someone else loses the ball, then not so much.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there was one moment where Alexis ran half of the pitch just because he'd lost the ball at a corner. Um which I, I tell you, what he reminds me of is is Rooney for a good four or five years of Rooney's career, where he'd work incredibly hard to get the ball back when he lost yeah. it. Occasionally, stupidly, would shout other people to come forward and would have performances where he was being terrible, but just carry on doing the the things that are really hard to do. I.e., those passes going straight through, i.e., dribbling with the ball for for ages and ages, going across the entire the pitch until he loses it. Um, worrying comparisons with Rooney but th- the quality in both of them is so obvious at other points even in their rubbish games that it just it has to be made mm. to work but then um, you mentioned Lukaku and, and him being in the way to Sanchez playing potentially at centre forwards and Lukaku's now consistently been one of United's best performances best performers over the over the last two months and I would argue is probably the, the size most important outfield player at the moment
0: Lukaku's undroppable at the moment with the way he's playing I, he, he's in the the best form he's been in all season. Not only has he managed to combine, uh, sorry, not only has he managed to improve his link-up play so much in the last two or three months, he's now combining that with finding the back of the net again. I think the the Chelsea game was was a big deal for him, massive confidence booster. Ended up, I mean, got a little got quite lucky with his goal last night with the potential handball that wasn't spotted and a bit of a deflection on the shot, but he did well just to keep that ball alive and and uh, keep the chance going. He had a good game all round. He was probably our our best outfield player in the first half, and didn't do much wrong in the second. He is in in the for, best form of, of of the season so far, and and you can't drop him right now. Like you said, he probably is our most important outfield player at the moment in terms of not only his performances, but the um the alternatives to him. The alternative at the moment is Alexis, but based on what we've seen from Alexis it, during his what just over a month as a United player, you would say that he's probably not going to offer any more than Lukaku has done. Lukaku's been scoring more, his general player's been better, he's not been losing the ball as much, and I, I just think Lukaku's been very, very good recently, and I don't think that we should make him and the rest of the, the players around him worse off just to try and accommodate Alexis. Um, it, the, the tough thing with Alexis is he's played so many different roles and different positions for Arsenal, and he did, and he did well in pretty much all of them. And although that's great, it's actually making it difficult now because He's been tried in two or three different roles at United and none of them have worked. But now it's tough to actually know where his best position is. Is it on the left where he initially started at Arsenal and most people think is his best position? But his best goal-scoring form at Arsenal came when he was playing down the centre, whether that was as an actual centre-forward or just behind the striker. So do we play him there? But when we've tried him in behind the striker, it hasn't really worked and we can't really play him at striker at the moment because of how well Lukaku's playing. So it is a real dilemma at the moment and I mean, I think Gary Neville was right on the Monday Night Football last night that if Alexis Sanchez wasn't called Alexis Sanchez, he would be getting dropped for the Liverpool game. Yeah,
1: definitely, because uh, not only that, not only is he playing poorly, but there are alternatives to him.
0: Yeah, if it was Martial Rashford playing, putting in the performances he's put in in the last month, then they would not be getting well, a look me, in at the team at all. They would have
1: got this far at all. They would. They, they wouldn't have been playing against Palace. They wouldn't have been playing against Chelsea. Um, yeah, is that wrong? I, I don't really think so. No, because. He's a big signing. You've got to be patient, and if he, if if the right position is found, and if that quality is got, then it's a, it's more important to the side than than trying him out in various positions is detrimental to the side.
0: Yeah, it it takes with players players like that. It takes one one moment of brilliance to make it all worth it. We saw it with, with Rooney so many times over over the years, where he'd have an absolute stinker, but he'd pop up at the end of the game with an amazing moment. That, that Rooney's bicycle kick against Man City is a great example. He's admitted that's probably one of his worst games he's ever played for United. But does anyone remember that? No, because he pulls out that magical moment. And that's the kind of thing that you're looking for with someone like Alexis. You play him because of his potential to make one of those moments happen. And it's just not, it's just not coming about at the moment. But I don't necessarily think it's wrong that he's not getting dropped, but. It needs to be sorted out yeah, and, f- and quickly I mean, exactly what his role is in this team. He was
1: partly signed because he could play in the Champions League and that is now coming up and he's he's not, not even ready to, to make an impact yet. I'm yeah. um, saying that, he could now score a hat-trick That's at Liverpool. Such, such is the the nature of a player like him. Um, the Manny Matic, fantastic goal. Another good performance in the best few weeks we've had for... Probably since October, September, um, just doing his job to perfection alongside players who are not.
0: I've been really, really impressed with Matic. I mean, for most of the season to be fair, but I think he had a he had a bit of a drop off over the Christmas period in January like uh, most of our team did. But last few weeks he has been brilliant again. It defensively, he I think during the January and Christmas period he seemed to he looked very leggy. He looked very tired, play was bypassing him a lot. Uh, but the last few weeks, has been brilliant in that aspect. He's been breaking up the play so much. I thought the Chelsea game was one of his best performances for us. And it, and last night against Palace as well, he was brilliant. Maybe not quite as good defensively as he was, as he has been in some other games. Obviously, we, we struggled at the back in general for pretty much the entire first half. But what I think Matic is very good at when we're playing against teams like Palace, he marshals the box very, very well in an attacking sense. He he sort of patrols the edge of the box and makes sure that anything that drops, he's there. He's the one picking it up, and he doesn't let the other team spring counter attacks too easily. And I think that's what he's been really good at. It's a very, it's a very kind of you don't notice it very often, but I noticed it a lot against Crystal Palace last night, just because so often the ball would drop to him and it would be him on the edge of the on the edge of the box rather than Benteke or Sowoloth picking up the ball and restarting our attacks rather than letting them get a breather. Um, he's it, just been brilliant the last few weeks, and. I think uh, if we're looking at the season as a whole, he's been an excellent signing.
1: Moving back to negatives, Chris Smalling and Victor Lindelof as a centre-back partnership. I mean, Mourinho gave... (laughs) Mourinho has offered the chance to name his man of the match for the the official Premier League man of the match and somehow gave Chris Smalling, who admittedly scored a brilliant header, not an easy header, that, and got United back into the game. But his contributions in defence in the first half um, were... Were interesting, and hopefully that's hopefully that's the end <laughs> to Smalling and Lindelof partnership. But hopefully it is. But I would be surprised if it if it was.
0: Me too. I, Mourinho seems to be insistent on playing at least one of them all the time. I just want to see Jones and Bay back together. Um,
1: the the, the worrying the worrying thing about both of them is that they're both of their best moments. Not even best moment. Both their only good moments come when they're covering each other's <laughs> mistakes, like a yeah. last ditch tackle or sprinting back or like hitting off the line because the other one's not marking their play and they've had a shot it's never it's never like it's never a solid game he's a horribly unreliable part. the
0: worst thing about the two of them together is just that neither of them can mark properly physically they're alright Small in it physically is very good he's what 6 foot 5 he's pretty good in the air he's very quick he's strong he just he, he can't mark and so often especially from crosses we seem to concede so many goals and so many chances from crosses Smalling just doesn't pick up his man. And it seems to happen so, so, so often. You know, The the brilliant De Gea save last night all came from that. Smalling wasn't close enough to Benteke. They seem to get dragged out into sort of a no-man's land where they're just caught ball-watching and guarding the front post when there's no one actually there. So th- there's that, for starters. On the ball, Smalling, I mean, he's improved a little bit, but he, he's, he doesn't have... It's not like we're... Uh, it's like a John Stones kind of situation where maybe you'll sacrifice a little bit of the defensive mishaps if he's great on the ball, but... Smalling isn't great on the ball. And although Lindelof is better on the ball than Smalling, he's arguably a worse defender. They just seem to not be communicating properly. I mean, Lindelof has improved since the start of the season where he was atrocious. And we have seen some decent games from him, but it's just not been, not been good enough so far. Um, I actually tweeted this yesterday after we scored the second goal. Uh, and at one point, I think we had, well, we had Jesse Lingard at right back arguably our two worst centre backs out of our sort of main four that we play often on the pitch and a left back who's played hardly any football in the last two years and that was our defence for the last 10 and 15 minutes of the game
1: i think Smallley is is arguably the worst centre back i've ever seen on the board. Yeah. there's there's I, and i i know why it is it's because he he came from non league roy hodgson gave him his his professional chance at fulham and then united signed him and he's had some very good games he had a great season under van Aal, et cetera, etc etc but he has never learned that technical ability on the ball, and it shows in every game, at every moment. The the way he receives the ball, the weird, strange like method he has of opening his body up, and the fact that he's very rarely done a pass so is anything but sideways or two meters in front of him to the right back or the left back. Um, it's just it it detracts so much from United's game by having a, a defender like that in the in the team, having a a good ball playing centre back like Rio Ferdinand. Or like Manchester City have, um, and some of Chelsea's centre backs, to be fair as well, is it's completely it changes the team entirely. And having a rubbish one in Smalling does it exactly the same thing, but in the other way round. Um, we better move on in a second. Just uh, Rashford coming on. I think Mata had the biggest impact off the bench, but Rashford comes on at half time, and. Um, the the thing that I love about Rashford is that whatever has happened in previous games, he's in a bit of a goal drought, whatever has happened in earlier stages of, of that particular game, the confidence to take on a player never disappears from, from Rashford.
0: 100%. Yeah, I think it's one of his best traits that he has. He's, he's just completely fearless. His game doesn't change no matter the circumstances that are going on around him or his recent form. He just comes out and he looks to beat a man. And it. He, he did make a big difference. Like you said, I think I agree with you that I think Mata probably made the biggest difference out of all the subs. But Rashford made a big difference on that left hand side because he just stretched the defence so much. We didn't really have any width on that side in the first half. Well, Sanchez when he was over there tried cutting in uh, too much, and it just wasn't it just wasn't really working. You know, I think having someone like Rashford or Martial, whoever it is, playing over there helps us a lot because they stay a little bit wider than all of our other sort of attacking players who would play their do, whether that be Mata, Lingard, Alexis, whoever it might be. And I think that width is really important to us because it gives us an, a, a different outlet and it just stretches the defence. So often we get caught playing too centrally and there's you, you end up having 15 players within sort of the width of the, uh, the penalty area and it hurts us when we're playing against teams like Palace because it's so easy for them to just tighten up all the space and keep play really congested and really scrappy. And having someone like Rashford out wide, not not necessarily to um not even necessarily to be putting crosses in all the time, but just to stretch the defence a little bit more is a big, big deal.
1: Yeah. Um right, we better move on. All youth games were called off this week, but some bad news on the on the low knee front. Demi Mitchell suffered a knee injury at Hearts where he's been excelling in the Scottish Premiership with multiple man and match performances. He'd returned for a check up United. Um they were initially hoping that He'd be back for Hearts' game on Friday, but it now looks like he'll be out until at least the end of April and and maybe into May and, and potentially if if recovery doesn't go well until the end of the season. So that's a massive shame given his good start to to life in professional football. Um, now Liverpool on Saturday, a big game. <laughs> they they look very good. We we look. I wouldn't say we we don't look good, but we look sort of just meh and. Despite that, we look very capable of getting a result against pretty much anyone. Um, I mean, shockingly for Mourinho's side, we don't look very good, but look like we could get a result.
0: <laughs> yeah, big shocker there. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's weird trying to figure out where we are at the moment in terms of form because we've had good results, but even even all of our good games have had bad parts to them. Even, even the Chelsea game that we were raving about was a pretty, pretty poor first half, definitely very poor first half an hour. Liverpool look very good at the moment. Do not be surprised at all to see a nil-nil. That's <laughs> I think I do not expect us to be very ambitious. Um, even though we are at home, I just think the way Liverpool are playing at the moment and our weaknesses defensively, I do not think Mourinho wants to see Salah, Mane, Firmino running at Smalling, Lindelof, Young, and Valencia. Um, I just can't see it happening. I think we'll play very defensively. Um, try and hold out for a nil-nil. Hopefully we can nick a goal and hopefully we can play some more expansive football because that's what everyone wants to see. But I just can't see it happening. I, I don't think Mourinho uh, will play that kind of game. I don't think, I don't think at the moment he feels that we can go toe to toe with Liverpool. Not in the sense that they're a better team than us. I just think in terms of the styles of the two teams, I don't think he feels that we can deal with them on the counter attack and we can't really give them that opportunity to hit us on the break.
1: Yeah, wouldn't be surprised with that. In terms of in terms of the midfield and the formation. We've spoken about Sanchez. That's tricky, but Scott McTominay had a had a rough forty five minutes against Palace, um, which is expected. I mean, he's going to have that at some point and got it out of the way. He might have it again. Don't really care. He's developing. He's developing really really well. He can have he can have a few performances like that as long as uh, the end product is good. But do you think he'll he'll be starting against Liverpool?
0: I do. Yeah, I think Mourinho trusts him enough that one bad forty five minutes isn't isn't gonna break Mourinho's faith in him. We've seen Mourinho uh, lose faith in players over smaller than that. Remember, you know, Mkhitaryan when he first came to United when he had an awful first half an hour or so against Man City. Gets brought off and didn't, didn't get a looking for the next two months. But I think McTominay's earned Mourinho's trust enough that he, he should come back in. May, may, maybe he'll drop uh, drop down to the bench, but I think that would be more likely if Herrera was still fit. Um, if, now that he's out after the severe game I expect McTominay to come back in because I think Mourinho does want to try and persist with this 4-3-3 to try and get the best out of Pogba and I think he feels that with Matic and McTominay both in the, both in the side we should be able to, to deal with Liverpool's attack a little bit better a lot of Liverpool stuff comes through the heart of uh, sort of the, the heart of the pitch if not the heart of their midfield kind of balls into the feet of uh, Firmino, Salah, Mane um, from, from midfield in the back and then those, those three linking off each other so I think he'll want Matic and McTominay in there just to have that a bit more solidity in midfield, um, and then allow Pogba to play in his favoured position. Yeah, prediction. you heard it here first, nil nil.
1: <laughs> I always go into this figure, oh, I'll be confident and then and then think about it for roughly fifteen seconds and realise that I'm I'm not confident at all. But weirdly Liverpool is a game any Manchester Derby, even when City were until they started challenging for the Premier League title. You always went into the Manchester Derby thinking this is this is tricky. I don't think I've ever gone into a derby confident. Whereas, no matter how good Liverpool are, no matter how rubbish we are, I remember going into... We were under David Moyes and still went in confident. I have I have no idea why, but that's just how it is. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 2-1 United. You, you probably won't be checking back to see who got that prediction <laughs> right, because... my predictions haven't been great this season anyway thank you as always for listening to the Manchester United weekly podcast we'll be back with two episodes next week and the first should be a long and detailed special on the atmosphere Old Trafford for our 100th episode this is number 99 the next one is 100 we're hoping that will be the special on on the atmosphere We'll, we'll see how everything goes on that but we've spoken to a number of people have spoken to Andy Mitton, founder of United We Stand, someone from a Big United Songs account on Twitter, should be speaking to someone from the Manchester United Supporters Trust and to Barney Chilton, who founded Red News, the other Big United fanzine, and a couple of other people. So hopefully that will all be recorded, edited and done for our 100th episode. If it's not, then it'll be our 101st. We can make that the special one instead. Um, if you want more from us in the build-up to the Liverpool game and in the in the... Aftermath of the Liverpool game. You can follow Jack on Twitter at,
0: at UTD Tates, T A I T. And
1: you can follow me at, at Harry Robinson64 and the podcast itself at, at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P O D at the end there. Cheers for listening. Have a great week. Goodbye.